For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Woodwork prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you like compassion, excuses, and heartwarming messages, you have clicked on the wrong link. There's a new sports voice in Toronto. The smooth-talking, rough-necking Mike Roach, where sports life and truth collide. New sports entertainment for the next generation. Something different. No bias and no BS. This is the Mike Roach Podcast. Subscribe to the Mike Roach Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And remember to follow Mike on Instagram at MikeRoach7 and at OXP.media. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Roach Podcast. Got a great show here for you today. I'm Jed Osman, executive producer and head of operations at Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. And, uh, man, he talks about so many different things on this podcast. This dude is way beyond his ears in regards to knowledge. Uh, he talks about so many things, man. His life growing up, him as a student, uh, some of the great lessons that his parents taught him. Uh, he also talks about entrepreneurship and why it's so important that young people know about it, uh, tips that can get you ahead early in your career, just so many things to provide value, and really hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It's brought to you by the one and only OXP Media and the Battle Canada series, and I'm looking forward to bring you some more content again soon. Your boy, Mike Roach, OXP, let's do it. going on people welcome to another episode of the mike roach podcast this show is brought to you by the one and only oxp media and the battle canada series now i got a very special guest on the show today i'm jed osman executive producer and head of operations at inside the green room with danny green i'm jed how are you doing my brother mike my man i'm doing well my brother how are you i'm doing well man like i'm 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 I hope all is well with you, by the way. how Where are you, by the way, and, and how is everything there? I live in L.A. now. I, I relocated last year from New York City and, my, and Toronto because I was living in Toronto last year when uh, my business partner, brother, and friend Danny was playing for the Raptors. And so I've relocated out here since he's with the Lakers and I've got some other clients out here. And I've been looking to make that transition to L.A. for quite some time and this seemed like it was the perfect time. So I'm here enjoying this beautiful weather, man. You're, you're in Toronto now, right? Yeah, I'm in Toronto right now. And let me tell you, man. How's, how's the weather over there? The weather is not too bad right now. The sun is shining. All right. The sun is shining. It's about 13 or 14 outside. And on the forecast on Saturday, we're supposed to get snow. Mm, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I feel sorry sorry for, for bragging about the weather over here, man. 75 and sunny, uh, it's beautiful. Hopefully, when everything clears up, you can get a chance to come out here and enjoy it for yourself, my brother. Listen, listen, you look like you're made for L.A. because that smile that I see on your face when you're taking <laughs> those pictures out in L.A., it looks like you and L.A. are meant to be together. I, I am I am blessed and highly favored, man. I've worked worked my my entire career my entire life to to be in a position where i can enjoy the journey and i'm very thrilled to to be in these shoes and to have the opportunities that i have on a regular basis so i'm sure you can relate to that well listen so before we even get into all of that do you have go-to food or go-to restaurant during this pandemic because we ain't going out traveling i you know this this 
coronavirus situation has been uh, one of the most challenging things for not just me and, and you and, uh, and, and people that we know, but for the world. I think this is one of the first times in society that the entire globe is dealing with something at the same exact time and this, and this sort of scale. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying my best to look at things from a positive light and to see things for, for what they are and make the most of the time. So one of the things that I love to do is I love to cook. So I haven't been going to too many restaurants, but okay, I'm not going to lie. Good man. I, I've, I've, I've frequented uh, uh, Chick-fil-A and Jack in the Box, who's become one of our sponsors for our show recently. Nice. Uh, but I love I love spicy food. So anything anything spicy, you can normally find me smashing that. How about you? <laughs> for me, honestly, I haven't eaten out in, I would say, almost two months. My wife's been oh, doing wow. all the cooking. You're my disciplined. Wife, ah, see? See, yeah, there you go. My there wife's been is. doing all the cooking. <laughs> so things have been good. Um, can't complain. But what kind of cooking are you doing? You know, I, I am originally from Sudan. That's where my family's from. So yes. I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, and so I love making Sudanese dishes. One of the more popular dishes is called dama, which is sort of like a curry. But I like to eat that with, with our basmati rice. Uh, and a salad on the side with some pita bread. That's one of my go-to. Damn, you know I can I, I can never I can never say no to uh, <laughs> chicken and rice. I feel like that's a, a dish that's pretty commonly known and, and and loved across all cultures. Everybody's got their own little spin to it. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you, man. Hundred percent agree with you. But um, Amjad, how has the transition been for you now that you're in LA? I've loved being out here. At first, it was a little bit challenging because everything is pretty spread out and you kind of have to drive everywhere. I'm so used to being in New York City where everything is extremely convenient and I can take the subway and be in Brooklyn or be in, in Harlem or be in... I, I used to live in the Lower East Side in this village. Uh, and so everything was kind of at my fingertips and really easily accessible. Now I have to drive and so I have to be more thoughtful about how to plan my day and, and think about where I want to go. But I feel really grateful to be here. I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that work in media and entertainment and sports. And, and clearly, that's the, the space that I work in as well. So this was kind of a natural progression in terms of my career and where I wanted to go. I've met a lot of really incredible folks out here who've been grinding and hustling throughout their journeys. And so it's been really nice to connect with folks who are building something similar. I think that New York has uh, a very great culture in terms of how open folks are, and how direct people are. I've definitely got an East Coast personality, and so it was a little bit of an adjustment learning to make friends in a new world. And I, I've loved it, though. I, I, you know me, I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing and, and extroverted person, and so I've really made the most of being here in LA. Yeah. So, you know, you're speaking about being an outgoing person, and that's the person I've known you to be since I've known you. Uh, from I haven't known you too long. I would say maybe the last year and a half, right? Since mm -hmm. since Danny ended up coming to toronto but tell me a little bit about where that personality came from is that something to do with like your upbringing your parents let me know about that you know i think a lot of my openness and my ability to connect with folks and to just be uh, genuinely who i am comes from my mother my mom is, is probably one of the kindest human beings i've ever met or encountered in my life and she's an amazing soul and is my best friend and someone I speak to on a regular basis and have learned a lot from. My mom also is, is very kind and welcoming and just loving and very accepting of people, right? Kind of take you as you are. And so I've really learned that, that or earned that personality trait from her. My dad is a little bit more reserved. He's kind, but he's a lot more reserved and, and very direct and disciplined. And he's a little bit of a tougher personality. And so I definitely got the more personable side from, from my mom. Is there any specific lesson you remember off the top of your head um, that you know, her, any of your parents my, my mom's, you? Uh, Yeah, you know, my mom's birthday is actually the 7th, May 7th. And so, you know, we're, we're, we'll be celebrating this together. But uh, I put together this, this video for her to celebrate her birthday. And one of the things that I said in this video was a story of when she came to visit my school in elementary school. We had just moved to the United States, and so she didn't have a car. And she took the school bus or the, the, the quarter bus to get to my school. 
And in Columbus, Ohio at the time, it was snowing, and she was with my little brother, who was only three or four years old at the time. And she came by, and she had this uh, small pencil bag that she used to keep all of her change and all of her money in. Little did I know this was all the money that we had. And so she used this this money to get to the school to be there to see me and to just let me know that she cared uh, and to get an opportunity to check in with my teachers who had been complaining about me as a great <laughs> student, but difficult to discipline because I just hated staying in my seat. And, you know, when she got there, she, I, I obviously behaved myself because I knew that by the time I would get home, if I was misbehaving, what would happen when, you know, Pops is there and, and oh, yeah. he's obviously able to discipline me at home as well. But I, I tell that story because I ended up holding on to the pencil bag and she wasn't able to uh, have that money when she got back from the bus. And so she had to convince the bus driver to allow her and my little brother to get on the bus. because I held on to the pencil bag, not knowing that it was hers. And so when she got back home later that night, I brought up to her the pencil bag and I asked her about it. And she kind of looked at me and smiled at me, took it back and just walked away. And uh, that story just resembles a few characteristics about her. One is that she was always there for me, no matter what, good or bad. Two, she's she's been a, a loving person and, and has shown up for me in times where I've needed her, whether I've asked her to be there or not. She's always made an effort to be there. And three, extremely humble and, and, and you know kind person and isn't someone who's quick to anger or quick to upset. She's someone who's passionate and shows, and shows compassion and love uh, through her heart, no matter what. And it's crazy that you say that because... Even now, as you tell that story, when I talk and I interact with you, it's almost like the things that you've just said is what I feel from you. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> so it's crazy. Like, what kind of, of high school student, college student were you? You know, man, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I was a nerd and, and still am a nerd to this day. I like to think that I was kind of a cool nerd. I was uh, valedictorian at my high school, and I was class president. But no, I was also oh, you, you were know, a nerd. You're, I, I you're literally nerd, probably I, one of the coolest people I've ever seen. Like even <laughs> up till that, like I'm older than you, and when I grow up, I want to be like you. Ah, oh, get out of here, man! You're too, you're far too kind. Believe <laughs> me, I've learned quite a bit from you too. So, uh, you know, I think we're on the same page there. But I, I like to think that I made it cool to be a nerd. I was, I was. Uh, an athlete. I, I played soccer. I swam for a little bit. I golfed for a little bit. I wanted to play basketball, but I went to high school with uh, Jared Sullinger, Trey Burke, J.D. Weatherspoon, Caitlin oh, wow. Robinson, Devin Scott, some of the most talented basketball players to come out of uh, Northland High School. And so, unfortunately, I wasn't talented enough to play sports, but or play basketball, rather. But, uh, you know, I was really focused on school and academics, and I was part of this STEM program, science, technology, engineering, and math. And so, we used to build robots and travel to different places around the country to compete. I actually came to Canada for the first time ever when I was around 15, 16 years old and competed in a world competition and won there. And all those, all those experiences reminded me the importance of education. My, my family and I, when we first came to the United States in 2001, neither one of my parents had gone to college. I was the first to go to college in my family. And so I saw the sacrifice they made for me to be able to have that opportunity. And so I've never once let any educational opportunity slip by me. I've made the most of every single one of those opportunities. And so college was, was the same. I went to Ohio State. I'd started studying mechanical engineering. And I was doing well in it, but I just wasn't having fun. So I transitioned more towards the finance world uh, through some conversations with my mentor. And uh, I've never looked back since. Yeah, I mean... When I hear you and mechanical engineering in the same sentence, like I understand that you would be capable of doing it. But for some reason, whenever I see or hear or listen to you, I always feel like you're somebody that should be working with people. Like to me, you're, <laughs> like, you're a people guy. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, I, I think the same thing. I'm, I'm glad you think that because I kind of think that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you're super passionate about like digital content as well as like TV and film and stuff like that. How did you get into that kind of world? Because you went to, to school for something completely different. You know, when I was growing up, my, my father, 
he loves technology. And till this day, I, I love technology. I'm, I, I work hard, and so I spend my money on, you know, I support my family. I like to, I love to travel. I love to eat. I love to go experience new things here and there. But I also really love electronics. And so I, even sitting here now, I've got a iPad, MacBook, you know, monitor, camera, all these pieces of technology in front of me that I love to use to create. But the reason that I got into that is when I was around three or four years old, my dad had a bunch of cameras that he used to use, not as a photographer, just as a, as a hobbyist, someone who loved to capture content. Uh, and it was just, you know, like any father's family content. So I started to play around with his cameras and I was taking photos and always recording things. I used to record uh, soccer games when I lived in Saudi Arabia as a kid for me and him because he would be at work and he would miss the World Cup games. Are you and serious? He would come home That's and, dope. Yeah, and so me and him would, would come back home and I would have already watched the games and recorded them on VHS. And so then we would watch them together uh, when he got home. And I would just try my best to, to not spoil the, the results for him. And we look forward to having those moments together. And so I think that's where my, my passion came from um, around creating content. But my other passion is, is storytelling. And that, I think, stems from my conversations with my relatives, right? I grew up traveling every summer to Sudan to see my family. And just on my mom's side, she has seven or eight. Uh, sisters and a, and a brother who unfortunately has passed away but and then on my dad's side he's got the same thing five or six brothers and three or three or four sisters so I've always had a, a really large family and everybody's got a story to tell and so I naturally adopted some of those skills from them so when you got into the business of like even you Harrison Danny Green and and the inside the green room podcast first of all before I even get into my other question how did that come about when I was in Columbus, Ohio, I was finishing up my degree at Ohio State, and I ran into Harrison through another mutual friend of ours, Derek. Uh, and Derek and I were part of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation together who paid for our, our college. And so me and him were best friends and like brothers. And he was like, yo, you got to meet this crazy guy who's a lot of fun named Harrison. Um, he's, a, he's a sports journalist here, and he's covering professional sports teams like uh, the Bengals, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and local sports in Columbus uh, as well as in Ohio. And so I hung out with Harrison and, and we, you know, we kicked it and just had, had a, a really amazing time getting to know one another. And we just used to party together and had fun together. And then fast forward a few years later, I'm in New York city. I had left my job working on wall street, you know, working for some of the world's largest investment banks, hedge funds, asset managers, and all these different places. And Harrison had seen that I had started to do some work with a creative director named Mark. Mark and I had been shooting commercial photography, uh, videography. We put together some commercials that have been aired on, uh, you know, around the around the world digitally. And he's shot some content that's been aired during the Super Bowl. So Harrison saw all these things that I started doing, and he reached out and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about putting together this podcast with this guy named Danny Green. Would you be interested in taking some photos for a pilot?" And I said to him, I said, you know, I could take photos, but what else are you looking to do? Talk to me about what you're trying to build. So he told me about this podcast idea and how he wants to use it as a vehicle to give Danny an opportunity to get some reps, but also to give himself an opportunity to get back into the, the sports world because uh, he had just been laid off from sports, Spectrum Sportsnet, who's ironically now our production partner here in L.A. And so, uh, you know, one thing led to another. I pitched him my vision for where I think we should take the, the concept, and he was like, all right, let's do it. So he said, hey, can, he's like, can you build it? I said, build what part? He said, all of it. I said, all right, great, let's do it. And so we did it together. Me and him, you know, I've, I've learned so much from him, and I'd like to think that he learned a lot from me. And, uh, you know, I think Danny took a huge chance on the two of us, and the three of us together built something really, really we can look back at and be proud of. What's something you wish you knew when you started that you know now? <laughs> Man, I wish I knew a lot of things. <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about podcasting, so we were kind of learning on the fly. I, I wish that I knew how to edit before day one of sitting down oh, that's and recording a lot. the podcast. That's a lot. I'm sure, I'm sure you can agree with that, right? I need to find somebody to do it. It's getting ridiculous. It's, it's a lot of work. But you know what? It's, it's really important to understanding content creation and it's really important to understanding the story that's being told because the more you listen to stories 
the better you get at analyzing stories, the better you get at asking questions. And so I think I, I, I wish that I knew how to edit better in the beginning, but nevertheless, that's, that's in the past now. Now I, I wish that I had known how to monetize podcasts sooner. I wish that I had known how to advise other people on how to get podcasts off the ground sooner. I, I wish that I knew how to uh, leverage an immediate platform to get celebrities and personalities alike to join our platform at a much sooner time because it would have made that process a lot easier. Over time, you know, things kind of uh, evolved and, I, and we got better at it, but it was kind of a evolution rather than, uh, uh, you know, kind of a discovery. Well, listen, if you do a podcast about that, get the advertising because I would definitely love to hear it because I need all help with all of that stuff too. Hey man, listen, I, I, I have some resources. I've written some articles about how to start a podcast. I've created some, uh, assets that, that I use. I, I'm, a, I'm working with another, you know, uh, later at the moment to put together a podcast for him. So if all goes well, you'll be seeing that launching soon too. But you know, I, I'm I'm here. I'm available, and uh, it's I've turned. I've made it a business to uh, advise other guys on how to create their own media platforms because I think it's important that everybody has an opportunity to showcase who they are and tell you know more about their personalities and their lives and show that there's more to them than just what people see on TV. So I'm happy to help. Now, with everything that you're doing now, have you ever been told that you've been lucky? You just got lucky where you are All right the time. now. All the time. I mean, if you if you look at it, it's easy to say that. Yeah, it's I, it's always well, the people who don't want to put in the work who tell you, you get lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think luck is when opportunity and preparation intersect, right? I think that's a pretty common phrase and it's pretty cliche, but it's absolutely true. I've been shooting photos professionally since I was about eighteen. Or actually, actually, you know what? Since I was about twenty-one, but I had started taking photos since I was four or five years old. And so I didn't get my first big break. I didn't get published in a magazine until I was about 22 or actually 23 or 24 years old. And I can guarantee this. And I can guarantee this. All those times Mm -hmm. when you were paying, taking those pictures from a youngster to when actually when something got published, I bet you weren't getting paid. You weren't getting paid a damn dime. Oh, oh, no, no. I, I, I worked for free for a long, long time for a lot of different people. And, you know, one of the people that I work for free for, who's one of my mentors, Mark, in the very beginning, I told him, I said, hey, man, I love, he had worked in finance and worked on Wall Street, left his job to go uh, create his own creative business where he helps businesses tell their stories through uh, digital storytelling, you know, so videography, commercial photography, that kind of thing. And so I took it as an opportunity to learn from him as much as possible. And I wanted to find a way to add value. I didn't know how to edit photos nearly at the quality that he was, he was doing. And so I was just shadowing him and learning from him. I would show up to photo shoots. I would show up to you know, commercial shoots or whatever it is we were doing together. And I just learned, I soaked up everything from him. But I also spent a significant amount of time on my own on YouTube, watching videos, teaching myself Adobe Premiere Pro, teaching myself, um, uh, Lightroom, basically anything, photography, anything you can think of. I, I taught myself all of those things. And so I've been really fortunate that I've had opportunities, but I've, I've you know, really invested in myself throughout the past all, all the way up until this point. Tell me about some, tell me about a time in your career where you failed at something and then you told yourself, I'm going to make sure that never happens again. A time that I failed at something. Ah, man, I've, I've had so many failures. When we were launching our podcast, I pitched our podcast to a lot of different media platforms, whether it was Bleacher Report, whether it was Warner Brothers, whether it was uh, Slam. A lot of those folks didn't want to take a bet on us. They didn't want to invest in us because podcasting space is relatively new to some of those spaces in terms of content creation and the way that we were doing it. So, you know, I, we took a lot of shots that, that just didn't fall. But I've also failed in a lot of different aspects in terms of my career. When I was first working in corporate America at uh, Ernst & Young, I was working as a financial services advisor. And so I mentioned to you, I was working on, working on Wall Street, advising hedge funds, investment banks, and all these places. And I, I definitely did some things that I think were not questionable in terms of integrity, but questionable in terms of my 
my dedication to the organization. What do you mean I by that? Like I was work- what do you mean? I, I, felt, I felt like I was working on some projects that I didn't care to be involved in, right? But, but I was doing compliance and I was building living wills for banks so that we could determine what would happen if, if the bank were to collapse. I was doing some regulatory work. I was doing all these things that were sold to me as such a sexier looking uh, thing. And when I got there, I realized that I was kind of a cog in a wheel and I was just the person who was pushing buttons and I was, wasn't using my brain in the way that I wanted to be using it. And so I, I felt like I failed myself in that time because rather than making the most of the experience, I was really turned off by the organization. I did everything I could to position myself for success within the organization. And I had some projects where I thrived. But some of the other projects, I just I couldn't get myself excited or motivated to, to show up to work and be there and, and feel like I wanted to be part of the solution. And, and I didn't have the right attitude at, at, at the time. And so I look back at that experience and I'm thankful that I went through it because it taught me that money isn't everything. It taught me that I wasn't someone who could sacrifice two or three years doing a job that I don't like to be able to go and go to business school or transition or make a lot of money. I needed to be able to do things that I was passionate about. So I learned that about myself immediately. So I don't necessarily look at my time at EY as a failure because I built some of the best relationships and friendships that I have until this day. And it gave me a foundation to stand upon because I worked on Wall Street. I can go back, go back and work in finance having you know, really a really robust set of skills that I can bring to any organization. And, and I also was great at my job, not, not to mention, you know, I, I just didn't have the best attitude when it came to some of the projects that I was working on. But, you know, it's hard when you first come out of college and you feel like you're the shit and you're trying to make an impact on an organization and they kind of want you to slow down. Well, a friend of mine, one, another one of my mentors said to me, he said, Amjad, if you have large dreams and ambitions the same way that you have, sometimes going to an organization that's large and a well-oiled machine can be a killer of dreams. Go pursue your dream somewhere else. And so I did. You know, you said something. I was listening to you on another podcast. Apologies. I can't remember the gentleman's name. It's on YouTube. And you, I mean, I think you'll remember the saying. Let me try and remember it. You said when you work for a corporation, you give away your time trying or you give away your time helping them meet their goals. Mm-hmm. Can you finish that off for me? Do you remember yeah, that I, I, yeah, I was talking to my friend Ryan, uh, and we were sitting at uh, the London Hotel in New York. He was interviewing me and asking me about my experience. And he asked me about my, my corporate experience. And I told him, I said, look, when you go and you work for an organization, you are accepting a specific amount of money, quote unquote, a salary, to set aside your dreams and to help them build theirs. You've got to be able to determine for yourself what's more valuable, the money that you're going to earn in that time frame, or the experience you're going to learn from going out and building a business of your own or, or doing something that you're passionate about. And for me, I decided very early on, doing things that I'm passionate about outweighs anything that I can ever do that would pay me an exorbitant amount of money. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, value financial freedom and wealth as much as the next person. I think it allows you to sustain whatever lifestyle you want to live in your own personal life. And and there's something to be said for that. I grew up having no money in my family. And, you know, I I was the first to graduate from college for my family and I made, made more money in my first job than both my parents together. And so I'm really fortunate to have had those experiences. And I'm really fortunate to be able to say that now, but I don't just say it as someone who is, you know, was born with a, a spoon in their mouth. No, I say it as someone who's had the experience. It's crazy, man. When you said that, and I was listening to that podcast, I had to sit back and say, damn, that one, that one made me think, but like, say you have a, a, a young kid, a young male, young female coming out of college right now. What do you believe are like, clear important lessons like if you were teaching a course what lessons would you teach if i was teaching a course one of them would certainly be entrepreneurship i actually was involved with uh, the junior achievement organization uh as a youngster uh, one of my mom's old principals that she worked with 
reached out to her and said, Hey, I'd love to get your sons. I've, I've got two brothers. I'd love to get your sons involved in this junior achievement program to teach them about financial literacy. And so I got involved in that program and I learned about entrepreneurship. I learned about, you know, 401k and all these things at a very young age. Mind you, I studied finance. So I got a chance to really dig into that on a very, very deeper, uh, on a much deeper level. Um, but if I could go back now and teach a course, which I, I actually did teach a course at Ohio State my senior year, but we'll talk about that another time. I would definitely talk about entrepreneurship. I want to encourage more youngsters to pursue their dreams and to stop looking at a degree as a solution to what your life is going to look like. I think too many people rely on education and uh, in, in terms of a degree to be able to be a solution to everything. I personally think education is the key to unlocking uh, the, the chains of poverty. I also think education is a key to changing your life and, and doing things very differently than you've always done them, than you've normally done them. So I think uh, entrepreneurship is going to be something that I would definitely love to teach one day. I, I hope to be able to go back to one of my universities that I've had something to do with, whether it's Ohio State or UNC through Danny or even Stanford or, or USC since they're here in, uh, in California. I'd love to be able to teach people, how do you create a business? How do you look at solutions and problems or problems and create solutions to them that could impact other people. Not enough people were talking to me about that when I was younger. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I guess, hmm. I'm wondering, like, do you think everybody is built to be an entrepreneur, though? I don't, like, definitely not. I think we all have the ability to go out and to do whatever our heart desires. I think we all have the same 24 hours that everybody has, right? We all have to make sacrifices. My, my first job when I was 16 years old, I was working at Taco Bell. I worked there for a year and a half. After that, I went to uh, work for Abercrombie & Fitch kids at their headquarters in, in Columbus, Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, in Dublin, Ohio, excuse me. And then I went to college, and my freshman year of high school, my freshman year of college, I right out of high school, I went to go work for Sears as a cashier and worked on customer service. I've had a lot of entry-level jobs, right? Then I went to go work for this company called Abbott Laboratories. I was working as a financial planning and analysis intern. And then I finally went to go work on Wall Street uh, before I ended up moving on to work for a startup. So working for that startup really taught me the, the importance of, um, and, and I still work for the startup, it's called Mingo Live. It really taught me the importance of being able to bring an idea to, to reality. Everybody's full of ideas. And so I don't think it's, it's not feasible for people to have a business. I think it's just a question of how much are you willing to risk, right? We all have different risk tolerances. We all have different risk appetites. For me, I grew up with nothing. My, my family had nothing. And so I'm willing to risk it all because I'm betting on myself. I'm not a gambler, but if I was, I guarantee you, man. I would probably find a way to, to make a pretty good living off of it. <laughs> what, like, why are we so reluctant to take risks? And why do we procrastinate? Because I'm, I'm one of those guys, too. Like, I, I, I told myself from last week, literally from last week, I'm like, okay, let me message Amjad right now. I got to get him on a podcast. The <laughs> next day goes by. I didn't message Amjad. I got to message him today. Let me get him on a podcast. The next day goes by. I'm saying, this is ridiculous now. Today, for sure. Like, there's almost a part of me, because I'm just going to be real. Like, there's almost a part of me that, even though it's something so simple, I don't know why there's a piece of fear that sits in the back of my mind at times. Yeah. I, th I think you hit it right on the head, man. I, I think we all are afraid to some extent. Afraid to be rejected, afraid that we won't be accepted for who we are, afraid that what we say won't be received, afraid that we won't leave an impact or that it won't be the greatest hit no matter what it is that we create. But I think if we stop looking for acceptance and learn to, to appreciate and love the journey, love the experience, love the, the conversation, right? No, so, you know, you, you and me can record this conversation and put it out for people to listen to. And maybe, maybe only one person will listen to it. But you know what, Mike? 
as long as you and I enjoy this conversation, which I'm enjoying this conversation, and, and you and I feel like it was worth the time, that's all that matters to me. I it's definitely person, do, because I'm learning as you yeah, speak to me. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it, man. And, and, I, and I hope that if one other person can listen to it and be inspired, great. Then we've done a great job. But you know what? I think the minute that we can really start to look at life in, in the grand scheme of things, right, if we look at the big picture, so many of us are so goal-oriented that we forget to enjoy the journey. And that's what makes it so difficult to, to, to experience failure. Because what if I spend 30 years trying to build a media company and my media company is a failure, right? People are only going to look at the outcome. Oh, he failed. People aren't going to look at the experience over 30 years and say, wow, in 30 years, he's met amazing people. He's told amazing stories. Um, maybe he didn't grow the subscriber base. Maybe, maybe he didn't have as many listeners, but I enjoyed it. And every single second of that experience was something that I cherished and loved, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great point. Like, you ever sit back some days, you know, when you're relaxing, you put your feet up and just wonder how you got to where you are? Uh, you said, do I ever sit back and put my feet up? Yeah, and just think about, you know, like, how did I get here? <laughs> I, I am someone who is very introspective. I, I believe in, 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 in therapy. I believe in talking about your problems. I believe in reflecting. I believe in being honest with yourself about the things that are challenging to you. And so I've always done a really good job of, of stopping and thinking. I was in a business fraternity when I was at Ohio State called AKSI, and there was this saying that we had, pause and reflect. And I thought it was really ironic that I joined an organization that followed that, that motto or had that motto kind of embedded into its, its core because it reminded me, no matter what you're going through, it's important to stop and think about the journey. Stop and think about why you're doing the things you're doing and really allow yourself to, to enjoy the experience for what it is. I, I, I went home to Sudan to visit my family for the first time in 20 years, uh, the beginning of 2020. And, and end of 2019, end of beginning of 2020, I was there. Uh, the, uh, the new year was unfolding. Yeah, you, you have a beautiful there, family. I saw a lot of pictures, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. The entire time I was there, I was very emotional because I looked at all the things that my family and I sacrificed and gave up for us to be here in the United States living the American dream. And that was, uh, you know, I, I, I've always been, you know, internally motivated because of the sacrifices that my family made. And so I didn't need to, to look for inspiration. I was, I'm eternally inspired. My flame is internally ignited, eternally ignited from within. And so going back to Sudan to see my family was a good reset because it allowed me to be in an environment that I had once been in and, and grew up in and loved. And now it was an opportunity for me to reminisce and to really think about how far I've come. And so being there, I really allowed me to appreciate that. I don't, I don't stop and, and appreciate how far I've come often, but I do make it a point to, to stop and celebrate. And uh, I think, that's something that I need to be better about doing is making an effort, a real concerted effort to stop and celebrate small mind milestones along the way. Agreed. Now I just got a couple more for you before we wrap this thing up now. Sure, sure. Is there anything in life you're just curious about right now? Ah, oh, man, I, I'm naturally inquisitive. So I, uh, I'm curious about a lot of things. I think the, the first and foremost is a little bit obvious, which is what exactly is going to happen in terms of this, coronavirus pandemic and how are we going to deal with it as a society and move forward in a way that's productive and safe for all of us to live and lead healthy, successful lives. That's the first. The second is, what am I going to be able to see my family again? When am I going to be able to check on people that I love in person and be able to spend that time with them? I'm, I'm really excited to be able to, to, you know, I told you the 7th is, is my mother's birthday and I'm not going to be able to be there to celebrate it with her. And mm -hmm. I've made an effort over the last few years to never miss a birthday. And I, I don't think I've ever missed a birthday. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm not sad about it, but I, you know, I wish that things were different, but I kind of appreciate that this is a little bit of a different time. And so 
I'm taking some liberties to make it a special experience for her. And I hope that uh, she's, she's thrilled and happy with it. So those are some things that I'm curious about. I'm also curious about what uh, leagues are going to be doing moving forward, whether it's the NBA or the NFL or the hockey league or soccer leagues or whatever, to get back on track. Um, I'm, I'm curious about, I, I have a passion for film and, and TV. And so I would like to continue building my brand as a personality but I would also like to start thinking about how to become an executive producer for more pieces of content. I mentioned to you, I'm helping another athlete. Uh, one of Danny's teammates put together a podcast, so I, I'm excited about that. But I want to think about how can I empower other athletes on a larger scale? How can I empower the average person to tell their story? So an idea that I have is how can I create some sort of um, standalone content studio so anybody off the street can come in and say hey i have a story to tell can you can we shoot it that'd and, be and amazing give them the opportunity to do that right because not a lot of people have those technical skills and everybody has a crazy story so I, I those are some of the things that i'm thinking about now and i'm sure there's some other things that i'm missing but how about you what are you curious about right now uh um well a few different things like one of them you mentioned what the heck is going to happen uh, in regards to sports, but not just sports, other things when it comes to these large crowds and events and all that kind of stuff, because I honestly feel like even the people at the top right now have no idea. So that's 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 one thing. Um, another thing for me is I'm I'm curious about what I want to do in regards to podcasting and content. I feel like there's many times where I just struggle to put out content. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I think people won't like it or sometimes I kind of just get bored. I'm trying to think about doing something different. I overthink. I always try to make things, you know, make things too perfect. You know what I mean? Like when I try to put some out, I always want it to be picture perfect instead of just getting something done and putting it out. So um, um, my head is kind of just wrapped around, like, what do I want to do with my career in regards to podcasting and and sports media and that kind of stuff? And I feel like I'm kind of struggling, kind of trying to figure it out still. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, You know, know, Mike, uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten from one of my one of my old college roommates, Mike, he said to me one day, he said, "You know, Abjad, good is the enemy of great. Great is the enemy of perfect. And like you, I'm naturally a perfectionist, right? And so I think sometimes our desire for things to be so perfect prevents us from creating. Our desire to for things to be so perfectly curated prevents us from putting out a piece of content. But if you wait your entire life to create, how can you ever give yourself an opportunity to develop, to grow, to, to, to become better through the process? And I think more people need to look at it that way, right? How can I start creating things now so that I can improve and iterate on the process, right? And I think as we do that, we really start to appreciate, again, the journey rather than the final product. Because as you go through experiences like this one, right, where you're, you're having this conversation with me as part of your podcast, it's about taking something away from this conversation. It's about going back and listening to it and deciding which pieces of content are the most valuable and how can I write an article to support it? Or how can I put out clips on social media to support the content so to let people know and make them aware about this conversation? How can I find a way to give value to other people? while also doing the things that are naturally within my heart. And I think that takes some real honesty. You have to really be able to to be honest with yourself to step back and say, here are the things that I love unequivocally, and here are the things that I feel like I'm willing to risk to be able to do these things that I love, and here's why. Sorry, I'm just writing all this stuff down. Um, no problem, man, no problem. Because, listen, I, I'm telling you, man, I mean... I'm not going to, you know, do this podcast and sit here and pretend like I don't struggle with things as well. 
you know, even no, as no, we no. speak it's, it's right not now. easy. You know, so. But it's I mean, not easy to be a creator. No, it's it's definitely not, man. I mean, sometimes you're just confused, just straight up confused, and you're looking at you know different places to turn to find inspiration, find ideas, and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. honestly, what keeps me mm-hmm. going, and and even a reason I reached out to you to do this podcast, is because all I want to do is have people learn something when they listen to my podcast and not just from me. I want people to listen to your experiences and be able to take something from it to help their own life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love to do. That's what I'm passionate about. So when I think about that, that's kind of what keeps me going. Yep. Yep. I, and listen, man, I, I can I can certainly relate. Like I said, it's uh, you asked me earlier, can everybody be an entrepreneur? I think that in life there are consumers and there are producers. Consumers are folks that consume content. They're the ones that are, are only watching, only listening, only only reading, right? Producers are the ones who create. It takes a true level of of dedication and determination to be able to put something together that other people can can appreciate but also dissect and and rip apart and criticize and with being a creator of any sort you have to welcome criticism whether it's constructive or destructive because it can ultimately influence the way that you look at how you continue to create because you know whether you like it or not good feedback is still feedback and as one of my mentors, Angie, used to say to me, feedback is a gift. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. Okay. Now, now, listen, man, I am quite satisfied with the answers that you're providing because, damn it, I'm learning <laughs> All right. Now, listen, man, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> now, before we go, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I think you asked some really good questions, man. I, I, I love <laughs> the inquisitiveness. So I, that's all I've got, my brother. Uh, everybody, that's Amjad Osman, executive producer and head of operations at Inside the Green Room with Danny Grade. Now, Amjad, before you go, I was really looking forward to seeing you and Harrison. Uh, <laughs> were you guys going to come to that game in Toronto if the Lakers were here? Man, we, we weren't only going to come to Toronto on March 23rd. We had organized a live event for Inside the Green Room so that we could get OG Ananobi as our special guest oh. uh, as well as a, as well as a couple of other folks that were going to join us on stage that night and so we were we had everything organized and you know we had sent out a press release everything was was scheduled to go but obviously things were a little bit derailed and even Danny you know hasn't been able to get his ring uh and celebrate oh, yeah. that, that that championship and so you know we're, we're we still got some plans to make it out there at some point All the question perfect. is what but but until then, man, we'll we'll, we'll be seeing you. Come out there, I'll get a chance to see you. Yeah, man. So so do me a favor, say what up to my boy Harrison. And I will. Uh, and I'm I'm not sure I got to tell you the last time, but the last time I saw Harrison, um I think it was in the finals actually. But what I was gonna say is I told Harrison that I wanted you and him the next time you were in Toronto, I was inviting both of you guys over to my crib. And I was going to get some Jamaican food and we we're going to sit down oh, and eat some dinner with the family, no introduce you to the family. Say and, no more. You know, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I, am, I, I am there. Okay, perfect, perfect. So we got to arrange that for the next time you're back in town, okay? Sounds like a plan. Um, Sounds like a plan. It was, it was a pleasure, Mike. Thanks listen, for having thank me you so show. much, my brother. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Same here, man. It was, it was a pleasure as well, mine. I'll perfect. talk to you soon, all right? Yes, Take sir. care of yourself. You too, my man. All right. That was Amjad Osman, ladies and gentlemen, executive producer once again and head of operations at Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. This dude, man, he is, he's a young guy, but he has like wisdom way beyond his years, man. And that's exactly why I wanted you guys to listen to him because super young, talented guy, just head on his shoulders and so passionate about everything that he does and I just learned so much from him just in that time alone, and I'm sure you guys will as well. 
Uh, but that wraps it up. That's another episode of the Mike Roach Podcast. Now, remember to find us on all platforms, okay? SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, oxp.media, at Mike Roach 7 on Instagram. And once again, looking forward to bringing you more content again soon. Make sure you get us up in, the, hit us up in the comments. Like, share all the content. I'm doing this for y'all, all right? I'm doing this for all of us, all right, guys? But share, comment, like, everything. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for um, all the messages, DMs, um, all of that, all right? So looking forward to speak to you guys again soon. This is your boy, Mike Roach from OXP Media, and we out, baby. Peace. been listening to the mike roach podcast where storytelling sports and keeping it real are the only ways to live by we hope you've gotten some valuable and practical information from the show link up with us on instagram at oxp.media or at mike roach 7 where you can view images of the content on this program we're on facebook apple podcast spotify and wherever you get your podcast have a wonderful day and thank you for listening Until next week. For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.